So thank you for having me. I am like very honored to be here. Um, I am not a pastor, <laughs> um, and so I feel like the way I've been approaching this morning is more like show and tell. <laughs> um, and I have so many things here. I like was telling my wife. I feel like. Um, like a lizard lady, like, you know, when we were kids and like you go and like they have the reptile truck that comes and then, okay, yeah, no? Was that just me? Is that not a thing? Anyone? You and the, okay, yeah, 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 okay, a few. Um, so today I'm, I'm your lizard lady and I'm also just setting up camp here, just gonna unload my pockets. <laughs> um, here we go here. All right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Mickey pretty much explained my whole life in um, his little introduction. But um, again, my name is Sammy. I was born and raised in San Francisco. Um, I'm in Oakland right now. Um, and I am a floral designer. Um, my business is called Lambert Floral Studio, and it's named after my grandfather, Lambert. Um, and today, uh, would have been his birthday, so he's a Halloween baby. Yeah, and he has a twin, bro- or he had a twin brother, so I think that was pretty cool. Um, and I, yeah, I'm also a dancer, so <laughs> I dance for the Golden State Warriors, which is like really silly. You don't have, do not, you do not have to clap, but yeah, it's pretty cool. But I'm also like a cheerleader, so I think that's just like a funny thing about my life that I didn't expect. Um, and I have a two-year-old son um, named Griffin, and my wife's named Sarah, and Griffin is taking a nap right now in Oakland, and so that's where Sarah is, um, and I am here. So. I am, like, really grateful to be here. I was thinking about my um, relationship with, with Pastor Mickey and Pastor Krista, and he did reference this one time um, in which they prayed for me, but I think that was really significant in my life and my, like, vocation and calling as someone who, like, um, interacts and engages with beauty because I was uh, going to teach this flower workshop in Korea, and it was I was, like, really excited about it. Um, but no, like no one was signing up. And then I was like, oh, if no one signs up for the workshop, then I actually can't go and teach anyone because no one will be there. Um, and so I think during, um, an altar ministry time after he spoke, I went up and was like, hey, I just like, I don't think this is like important in the grand scheme of things. I don't even think it's important to God. And I, and I just wonder if it's just my own personal ego, but like, I would love some prayer for like my own personal feelings and just kind of like what would God want for me in this? And and I feel like uh, the way uh, pastors making Chris have prayed for me was like really like activating um, in like reminding me that like beauty is important to God and that like there is significance in things beyond what I think of when we think of like, uh, what the church values or like what is like a valid way of expressing like the goodness and, um, and glory of God, you know? So, I mean, that's just kind of like, those are the folks that are leading this church. And so I am like, even the fact that this is like a sermon series, like beauty, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, um, stoked to be here and to like share as much as I can. Um, again, I'm not like, I probably won't check a lot of the boxes of like what you might expect from your typical guest preacher. Um, but just get ready for the the lizard lady experience. <laughs> um, okay, cool. 
So today, like Mickey just int- like asked me to come here and just share about beauty. It was very like broad, and I'm just been thinking about okay, what it is, like what is it that I have to share, uh, what it is like that I hope you guys walk away uh, with, and it is pretty simple. And I think my hope is that you walk away from today's service like seeing the world a little bit differently. Um, and I think if you see the world a little bit differently, you'll start to understand your life a little bit differently. And then when you understand your life and yourself a little bit differently, like we understand God a little bit differently. Um, and when I say different, my hope also is like that that difference would be one like that is uh, of more simplicity and of one that of like the, the inherent wonder um, in which like God created us, you know? Um, so... I feel very privileged that, like, as uh, someone who works with flowers or plants, that, like, my professional life is dedicated to, uh, like, um, learning and mimicking, like, the rhythm and the cadence and, like, the expression of the natural world. Um, And I think that's really powerful. And I I didn't always think it was that powerful. Um, Because I think I grew up thinking or hearing a lot of things like, you know, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Um, but I, I think in my in recent years, I'm like actually, like I'm thinking about which patterns of which world that is. And what I really want to do actually is live my life in which I am learning from the natural world and like the natural world described like in Genesis when it's like God planted a garden um, and placed man in that garden. And I think that's like so powerful that like God planted a garden instead of like there was a garden like there is like a very there's an act of intention um in creating this space um and it's like in the beginning was a garden um and i think that's so simple we like i've known that since sunday school but like the more you kind of chew on it and think about it like i think it it changes the way that i want to see the world um so I studied landscape architecture in college, so I've learned a few things about gardens, and I kind of, like, want to share it, because lizard lady life, just, like, talking about things that I do know. Um, So here's, like, a brief, like, little tidbits about garden history. Um, So I think it's really interesting when we think about gardens as being a space that is... spaces that are created by humans to observe and interact with nature, thinking about the different ways that folks over time have done so. Um, so in school, we would study like ancient or like older European civilizations and how they created gardens. So like think about like Versailles um, and France and like those gardens, like the philosophy there was like, how do we control nature? How do we exhibit dominion? Um, and how do we kind of like make nature something that like we, um, yeah, again, like have ultimate control over. And that's, I mean, that's interesting. I think Versailles is like beautiful in its own right. And you can kind of, um, see it in the way that it's like very geometric. It's very linear. Um, it's maintained, etc. Um, Conversely, we also studied, like, gardens from older, like, Asian civilizations where the philosophy there was, like, how do we uh, coexist with nature? How do we, um, like, live in harmony with nature? And how do we design a garden so that it creates experiences for us to learn from or observe nature? Um, So if you go to, like, a Japanese garden, um, if you think about, like, a simple stepping stone, like, the way that they designed it is, like... um, a rock 
will be placed at a distance where like you can't like walk on it without paying attention like you need to pay attention otherwise you're gonna like slip um and so it's a designed experience for you to like be present and be aware of yourself moving throughout the space um which i think was really cool and just like thinking about like it's in the dna of humans to understand and observe the spaces we're in and some folks have like taken it upon themselves to like heighten and enhance that experience um to lead to something you know um and then if we are talking about ancient civilizations and we talk about more like modern um expressions of the garden um we can think about like post-world war ii like uh if you think about like suburban lawns and um like you know you close your eyes you see like the one-story house and there's like some shrubs outside the window and like a bunch of grass like i in my personal opinion, I think that is not too far off from um, an expression of like control and order and like tidiness and thinking about um, also like why that was important to folks post World War II and like maybe they wanted to feel some sense of like safety or um, refuge in their own home, right? Um, or other expressions like if anyone's been to New York City and been to the High Line, um, has anyone seen that? Chris is not, yeah, okay. Um, anyone else? Okay, if you make your way to New York City, like go to the High Line. So what it is is that it's an old, defunct um, subway line that was like abandoned for a very long time, um, and then a, a Dutch landscape designer came and he created this park out of it um, and it's really cool because what they did was they planted all these like different grasses um, and different like small perennials within the tracks so when you're walking in the space it looks like nature has reclaimed um, this old like train track um, and like when I walk it I just like I'm like no one can be with me because I'm gonna start crying and I'm and, like you're gonna be so embarrassed to be there with me but I'm like oh it's so beautiful because what this park does is that it like it is like a living demonstration of things coming back to life. Um, and it is like, yeah, like an expression of like physical ground in this world that once had a purpose that no longer like works or exists and has found new life. Um, and so things like that are like, wow, I think there's a lot of power in this arena. And even if it doesn't feel like ministry per se, um, there's a, so much truth um, there's so many ways for God to be expressed um, and for God to, to speak. Um, and so that's why I like just geek out um, about plants and stuff. Okay, so I'm here to talk about beauty um, and what I think about beauty. Uh, I think of beauty as like more than just like being pretty. Um, so I like I make flowers for a living and like Every now and then I do, I will like look at things and just be like, oh, that's pretty. But when I hear people can talk about like what I create, I'm like, oh, that's really pretty. Um, to me, I always feel like it could go a little bit farther and be like, is it just pretty or is it beautiful? Because <laughs> I think when we think of pretty or even if you do a simple Google search like beauty in the Bible, like a lot of things that come up are like, things that have to do with appearance, things that have to do with visuals. And I think aesthetics are amazing, but I think beauty is so much more than that. Um, it really is not just like the way things appear, but it's the way that things are. Um, and that's how God thinks, right? He says like, I do not look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. And it really is not just about like here, it's about like in here. Um, kind of like when we talk about gardens, it's not just about like seeing a really pretty like hedge. It's about, Okay, it's not, in my opinion, it's about 
that stepping stone experience about being in there about being immersed and having some sort of like real-time engagement with like where you're at um so like when i grew up okay before tangled my favorite disney movie was beauty and the beast um as a child of the 90s and like now when i listen to like the soundtrack i'm like oh it's so interesting to me that um the soundtrack is like in a minor key i don't know anything about music is it in a minor key you don't know? It's like a little dark. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you think about Beauty and the Beast, like, there's something that feels a little bit haunting about it. And I'm not saying that, like, Disney is, like, um, the gospel, but I'm saying... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not... Actually, I am saying that Disney is not the gospel. But um, I'm saying there's something about beauty that it hints at where it's, like, it isn't, again, that, like, very superficial, flimsy thing, but there's something deeper to say and to know about beauty and what God has to say about beauty. Um, and I think beauty is... Uh, like why it has to be more than something superficial and pretty is that because it, it, it encompasses something from beginning to the end um, and it considers something in its entirety and it's holistic um, and when we think about God and beauty like I think of God considering beauty as something that it points to an end that's better than the beginning um, and that especially like the way that I see beauty in like the natural world is that it's a cycle um, of life and death um, and one that like death always goes back to life um, and yeah like beauty being a trajectory um, and a trajectory that points to hope and a trajectory that points to newness and a trajectory that points towards like um, redemption um, renewal uh, restoration and like resurrection um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I want to, uh, like when I think about how beautiful, like the good news of Jesus, it is very much in this, in this way where like Jesus like was a trajectory of life and you know, like things, everything points to Jesus and Jesus is the ending and the beginning, but Jesus at the ending is one is he is, he is life. He's the resurrection, right? He is like this, per, like he creates and he is this perpetual cycle um, of dead things coming to life. Um, and that's like really, really good news. And I see that in the natural world and I'm just like floored at how many things speak of this like good news, you know? Um, yeah. Like even now, like if, even after like last week's storm and like when I'm walking around outside, I'm like, things look pretty like, like, yo, it's fall. And like things are starting to quote unquote die. But I think like what, like even I'm looking out the window or like was observing like the flowers and plants, like as I was walking into uh, the complex here, like I think it's a, it's a really awesome opportunity for us um, to observe the world participating in this like eternal cycle um, of death and life. Um, and again, like in terms of like my hope for us all today, like being able to just witness that and observe that and let that like influence the way that we even think about our own lives. Um, yeah. Cause when I think about the seasons of like the earth that we're in, like I, I want that to influence my faith and I want my faith to like echo the cycle of the natural world. Um, and to like know that like in winter, spring will always come back, you know? And like, um, things will come back looking differently maybe, but like beyond things that seem like death is new life. Um, 
Yeah. So again, like beauty, it's like holistic. It sees the fuller picture. Um, and it like, it knows the fullest picture and it, and it tells it just so unabashedly. Um, and I think especially kind of like in like where, like the state of our world (laughs) right now, like, I think this feels so like revolutionary actually, um, to think about, like a message of perpetual newness, perpetual redemption, perpetual restoration, um, and things that are like beyond what we can even imagine or the things that are like even better than what we know. Um, I was going to share a story, but that I'm not. Um, so yeah, I am going to actually, uh, I'll, I'll share a passage that I, that God, uh, spoke to me, um, when I was preparing for this, um, and as I do that, I'm going to pass out some flowers because I want us to feel like we're um, engaging with what we're talking about. So if I had more time, I would have put this in like a cuter basket. But um, all I have is this like plastic bin um, that was in my car. So maybe I'll is this like reverse offering, like pass the ba- basket around, but take it, and then <laughs> maybe like let's just keep like it um circulating until there's no more so these are marigolds um and they like uh they're bright orange they um are in season now um they play a significant role in like um dia de los muertos which is tomorrow um but they just like i love them for y'all because like you can like like feel free to like just like touch the petals and the heads and like smell it and like they'll be able to withstand it all um but so anyway as it's going around just like uh close your eyes and listen to this passage this passage is isaiah 35 um and it's a passage that god um spoke to me it's gonna get grim a little bit as when my grandma passed away which was like you know uh almost 10 years ago but she like towards the end of her life was experiencing a lot of decay in her body and her body was like deteriorating. Like she was in the hospital and like she had to like amputate her legs and then stuff went wrong, et cetera. So there was just like, I was questioning like, what is this body? What is, what do we have now on this earth? How finite and how temporary is what's going on here? Um, and God really encouraged me with this passage. Um, because, yeah, I had come to him with this place where, like, all I see is death, what's beyond death. Um, and I'm going to read it a couple of different times in different versions because I think it's it's good in a lot of different versions. Um, and if I had gotten my act together, I would have given it to Mickey to put on the screen, but um, I didn't. So, again, just, like, look at the flower, close your eyes, and just, just listen. Um, this is Isaiah 35. I'm going to read it first from the NASB. Um, the NASB calls this... Zion's happy future. (laughs) Um, Here we go. The wilderness and the desert will rejoice, and the desert will shout for joy and blossom. Like the crocus, it will blossom profusely and rejoice with joy and jubilation. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the exhausted and make the feeble strong. Say to those with anxious hearts, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The retribution of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of those who are blind will be opened, and the ears of those who are deaf will be unstopped. 
then those who limp will leap like a deer, and the tongue of those who cannot speak will shout for joy. For waters will burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious animal go up on it. They will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with joyful shouting, and everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I'm going to read it again in the NIV. The NIV calls it the joy of the redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. One more time, this is in the NLT, and it's called Hope for Restoration. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy, 
sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, thank you for letting me read that three times um, with only slight variations. Um, but I feel like this verse is, or this passage is so powerful because in it we get a picture of what it looks like for the earth to be like a manifestation of redemption um, and what it looks like, like a fuller picture of both humanity and the world, like experiencing like God's salvation um, and restoration. And like that opening line obviously to me speaks because like the flowers are the expression of that. Um, the flowers are the expression of that redemption. Um, yeah, so when I was in that place of of trying to grapple with decay and, and death and being like, God, what what am I experiencing? Um, I, I, like, God was speaking to me, like, that this is, there is something bigger, that this is part of a cycle, um, that beyond this death will be new life. Um, and the timing of that, I'm realizing now, is, like, right when I actually started becoming a florist. Um, and after that, I feel like God gave me an opportunity to engage with flowers and to explore, like, explore, like, yeah, these cut flowers as, like, his word, you know? Um, okay. Let's talk about flowers, because I think I was asked here, like, Mickey knows I'm a florist, so I want to talk about flowers, because I, perhaps I know a thing or two. Um, so I want us to, like, think about how strange flowers are. Like, <laughs> like I think they're very common um, in our lives that we, like, don't think about it. But, like, in the same way where, you know, you hear that fact where, like, your body is so desensitized to clothing that, like, your nerves don't, like, you, your brain shuts off your nerves, like, uh, feeling your T-shirt rubbing on your arm. Is that a thing? That's a thing, right? Okay, like I think we see flowers or like plants so often that we're like desensitized that that they exist. But like imagine like not being from this planet and then coming here and you're like, yo, there's these things called flowers and like they're colorful and then they grow out of the ground and then like they are only there for like a little bit and then sometimes like they pick it and then I don't know, like I think they're... They're kind of strange, I think. They're, like, such a strange gift when I think about that the fact that they exist. Um, and when I, 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 in my career, I just spent a lot of time observing flowers, um, much like a lizard lady would observe her lizards. And I, I find myself just, like, learning so much from them and, like, geeking out about them. Um, and so I want to kind of share a few things that hopefully would be of interest. Um like, so biologically, like what flowers are, this is very sim- simplified, is that they're like the reproductive organs of a plant. Um, and they serve, they serve a purpose. And it's really cool because I think about the way that uh, like we experience them that actually has roots in biology that I think is interesting. So, for example, um, like flowers need to attract pollinators. And so if we're going to, let's just take bees, for example, as a pollinator and hummingbirds. Um, and like, those are two very different pollinators and, uh, flowers, certain flowers only want to attract bees and certain flowers only want to attract hummingbirds. Um, so there is a, again, if I had a picture, I would have put it up there and I apologize. There is, um, like the next time you're like at a target 
parking lot like there might be this type of white rose park uh planted in the parking lot um or you, you know what i'm talking about right like yeah, yeah or like in the suburbs they're everywhere it's like you know your standard white rose bush um so that's called an iceberg rose um and they first bloom pure white but as time goes by and as they are pollinated they turn um pink and then they turn red so the reason they do that is because bees cannot see the color red uh, but they see white so it's the way that the plant is signaling to its pollinators like don't waste your energy coming to this flower it's already been pollinated go to another one i think that's like so dope i'm like that's crazy my mind is blown um <laughs> conversely this is not red but this is like of the same red family um these are flowers from my backyard in Oakland. This is called hummingbird mint. Um, and it smells like kind of fruity and kind of like mint. I'll pass these around. Um, but if you look at the flowers on this, they look like they would f uh, be perfectly shaped for like the nose of a hummingbird, right? Um, and so it is designed like very, or yeah, it's designed very specifically for its pollinator. Um, and again, kind of that same logic and same reasoning, like, um, sorry, let me start there. Like, a bee can't necessarily register the colors of this because they're, like, more in the red family, you know? Um, oh, in lieu of the iceberg rose, here's some hydrangea from my backyard. So you'll see, like they all started out kind of white and then over time they started blushing um and then like this one too is like even like a, even even like darker red i just think that's like really really beautiful um i almost said really pretty and then i caught myself um and it's like certain things like that where like on the surface it just feels like oh cool like flowers are so many different colors but there's just like it's a much greater and smarter like reasoning for that and i just think that there's so much of the natural world that's like amazing um as those are going out i will also say like the next time you are at the next time you like are at uh i don't know your flower shop and you get like a like you know let me get some red roses for valentine's day like those red roses are actually like they're very commercialized um and they've been bred to have like the longest like vase life. Um, so the first thing that these growers do is that they breed out the scent from roses uh, because flowers expend so much energy on fragrance. Um, and I think that is like both sad and like also just really beautiful that like a rose will waste its life on giving out fragrance. Um, and it's just so like i don't know that's just i mean we I, I think of the woman with um pouring perfume on jesus's feet you know and like thinking about what is a, a worthwhile like way to spend your life um so in contrast to that this is a, an heirloom garden rose and um uh this one is not open, but it was the only one that I had that <laughs> was semi-blooming. But it's also very wet, but I will pass it around. Um, so this, oh yeah, all the thorns are still there. So I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, so these are both the same flower, but of different 
<laughs> different stages of their life. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mickey. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think if you, you might, this one that's a little more open, you might be able to catch the fragrance a little bit. Um, but like these are flowers that like, you know, they wouldn't necessarily do well if like, um, they're just so delicate and they're so, their beauty is so fleeting and ephemeral. Um, but again, I think there's still so much to learn from them. Um, these particular roses, because they've been in my backyard, they've spent pretty much like the last year, like trying to survive because it's been a very hot, um, dry year. Um, and after the storm from last week, like the, they just kind of like flourished. They both like flourished with like the sudden like deluge of water. Um, but also with like the wind, like these rose bushes were almost like completely like blown over. So I found these like, like the canes of this rose bush were like on the ground and they were still blooming. And again, I just thought that was such like a, a poetic existence that they were blooming for like an audience of none um and just really like they know what they're they're supposed to do and thinking about again how i want my life and my faith to echo that like what would it look like to do exactly what god has called me to do to like expend all my energy and my life on releasing a fragrance um even if no one finds me even if no one sees me um, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds dope. And I'm like, guess who's doing that? These roses. Um, so I'm like, y'all, they better preach. Um, yeah. So some <laughs> other things that I feel like are just nerdy things about flowers are like, um, thinking about how these flowers can serve, are meant to also serve us, um, like, again, I mentioned that flowers are like the reproductive organ of plants. So like, this is from my lemon tree. They're, um, they're kind of dirty. But these were once uh, lemon blossoms. And now they are not quite ripe, but they're um, passing around. They are almost ripe. But if you'll notice that, like, citrus season is during the winter. And, like, that's kind of when humans need an extra dose of vitamin C. Like, blows my mind. I'm like, Lord, you just know our, our every need. Like, you know I need this lemon ginger tea. in the middle of December. Um, And again, as we're also talking about seasonality, like um, right now it's October, but like remember this for next March and next April, but think of all the things that start blooming before it's technically spring. Um, Like I think uh, the like the natural world has a way of being prophetic and like heralding spring even before it is spring. Um, and like, so a, a little, this, this is like a nerdy and or like, uh, unnecessary tip, but the, the trees that'll bloom, the f- bloom first in the city are plum trees. And a lot of folks are like, oh, I, the cherry blossoms are so beautiful, but, um, they are plum. So you can impress your friends or annoy your friends by telling them that they're actually most likely plum branches. Um, <laughs> But anything blooming before, like, early April is, is probably a plum. But the plum and cherry, they both bloom on bare branches, right? Like, they're, the trees appear as if they are dead. And from, like, the bare wood comes, like, new life comes flowers. Um, and again, I'm like, dang, these flowers, these, these trees are preaching. Like, they are speaking a message of life despite, like, despite the temperature, despite the climate, despite the weather. Like, 
they are ushering us into like a cycle of hope and a cycle of newness. Um, and I cannot believe how powerfully they do that. And they do it year in and year out, whether or not we do anything to tend to those trees, whether or not we're even paying attention. Like they just like for all time on this earth, they are just preaching the same message again and again. Um, I think that's so, that's so, so dope. So awesome. Um, do I have anything else to share here? These are, these are just fun to touch. These are grasses. (laughs) So these are also technically flower, like you can think of these somewhat as flowers. And if you look closely at them, like you'll notice that like you can see like the little seed heads as part of like the little fuzzy grasses. So it's like, these are the ways that grasses like, um, also like distribute and like reproduce um and also pay attention to these grasses because later we'll talk about it but if you if i think about when and where jesus lived like his landscape looked a lot different than san francisco california like they lived in a desert like for the most part it's like a lot of sand it's like rocks and like occasionally some grasses so just kind of like be mindful of that um and the last thing i have i think to show for us is 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 this so these flowers are like a week old um they came with me to a wedding in santa barbara and back um they're like barely clinging on to life right now um like they're actually dying um in front of my eyes but um this is like my favorite stage of flowers (laughs) like because i think this is when they communicate the most and they they tell like whoever's looking at them like they have like the richest story Um, and something that is less apparent now is that you'll notice that these stems are not like super straight and they're not perfect. They're really, they're bended and there's like an elegance in like their curve. Um, and that's because they've spent like the last couple of days in a vase, like reaching for a light source. Um, like they've been, um, like bending their stems closer and closer to my window, um, trying to get as much light as possible. Um, so remember that for in a little bit. Um, yeah. Okay. So those, those are some lessons from flowers themselves. And then some other lessons from being someone who works with flowers. Um, like this is a perishable product. Like it has its has a mind of its own. Like it, it can cooperate with me, or it does, like sometimes it won't cooperate with me. And from a design perspective, that's very exciting because it's like, oh, I'm going to like observe the natural qualities of this flower stem and like how can I work with it, not against it. Um, it can also be frustrating because you're like, oh, like I have very little control. Um, and in both of those situations, I feel like I'm learning something that is feels like. God would want me to learn. Um, but what I am reminded when I think about this is of the Greek word tecton. Um, so tecton is uh, a noun to describe like an artisan who like works with um, uh, like specifically with existing materials. Um, and this is something I actually learned this year that tecton is what um, was used to describe Jesus, um, and is the more accurate way of describing him instead of like a, a carpenter, like carpenters would be described as tecton, but, um, like tecton is a more richer way of describing Jesus as someone who, um, used existing materials and created something new out of it. Um, and so I think that is to like, 
understanding that is, I think, like permission from God to understand that Jesus was a creator and not just a creator of like, um, like carpentry things, like a woodworker, but more like Jesus was a creator of new things from existing things. Um, and existing things, not even necessarily like dead things, but like things that existed, he made them even better. Um, or he made them something new. Um, he made them something that other folks weren't able to like envision or identify. Um, you know, and, and I think that is something, uh, like as a florist that is so powerful to think about, um, how do I take something that exists already and make something of more value from it? Um, especially when this flower is teetering on the edge of life and death. Um, and that's why I'm like, I think that's who Jesus is. Like he is someone who, um, like he really blurred that line between life and death, um, in a way where life always like won out. Um, so like when I hear things like beauty will save the world, like I don't think it, I don't think it's hyperbole. Um, but I try to think about like why it's not hyperbole. Um, and I, and I think like, again, what I've been, what I hope I've been trying to share with y'all during this time is that like, um, all around us is like this, yeah, this perpetual gospel that's being preached, which is like, there's newness, there's life. Um, and beauty speaks of a wholer picture, um, something that's not just on the, on, on the surface, one that looks good or looks pleasant, uh, but one that like considers the, the entirety of the story. Um, and the entirety of the story with God is always one that like ends in life. Um, and like a life, like not just, oh, I'm, I'm alive, but like the way, the truth, the life, you know, like the absolute ultimate version of, of that situation. Um, and I just like, I cannot believe that flowers preach this gospel. Um, yeah. Okay. So my, I'm going to pass out one more thing and I'm going to, um, uh, assign everyone some homework. <laughs> um, but my homework for y'all, which you don't have to do cause I'm not going to be here, um, <laughs> is to, is, is to observe. Um, so I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you one more flower. Um, it is, uh, these guys here, they are anemones. Um, and anemones are pretty like widely agreed upon as being the flowers that Jesus refers to, um, in the do not worry passage. Um, because they're actually, even though in the passage he, he describes them as lilies of the field, um, like these are Palestinian wildflowers um, that would have bloomed along with those grasses, you know, alongside the desert. Um, so I think that these flowers are really, like, special in that way. Like, um, I think when folks study these, like, they, they pretty much, like, resemble, I think, what they looked like in Jesus' time. Um, so I will read Matthew 6. Um as I pass these flowers out again, let me think about this really quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm not singing. I'm just um, being nervous. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> let me lay these out. Okay, Pastor Mickey is going to lay these out and, and pass them around as I read this thing. Um, but what I want you to do for your homework is, a, is go home 
um, give these stems like a fresh cut <laughs> um, and put them in some sort of water source, whether it's a cup or like a little vase. Um, put it somewhere um, close-ish by a window and over the course of the next couple of days, see how its, its stem bends towards the light. Um, they don't smell that. They don't smell, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, you'll even see it now, like, their stems kind of have, like, a little curve or a bend to them, um, and they're just always reaching for the light. And I, and I think the, yeah, your homework is to just observe how the stem tells a story, um, especially after a couple of days, like, how it will uh, tell of, like, the resilience of this flower and how it's, like, again, always seeking after something that is of light and that is of life um okay cool matthew 6 25 uh for this reason i say to you do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on is life not more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the sky that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more important than they and which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Um, and, uh, yeah, I get in my final conclusion is that I want you to see the world a little differently. And if you see the world a little differently, maybe you'll see your life and yourself a little bit differently and you'll understand God a little bit differently.